1: Right
2: from the start of ministry, Jesus started showing us what connecting, what community looked like. He didn't go off and just do his own deal. He began by choosing these 12 men that he would spend the next three and a half years with, working together. Paul understood this, Romans fourteen seven, For none of us lives to himself alone,
0: and none of us dies to himself alone. Very often when people read about Jesus' life, they focus only on the things that he said. They understand the importance of listening to and putting into practice what Jesus said. What gets overlooked sometimes is realizing that how he lived his life is something to be mimicked as well. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the importance for the Christ follower to be connected to a local church. Even more than that, the Christian should be relating to their fellow believers on a personal level. He'll help explain why just seeing someone once a week will not help your spiritual growth. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Matthew chapter 22 as he continues his message, The Five C's.
2: We're just presenting to you the five core commitments here at Calvary Chapel in Melbourne, Florida. We're just presenting this to you so you might find these principles useful in your church wherever you are around the world. As we look through the Bible, we discover there's three real priorities in life. God, people, and the use of our time. Nothing else really matters because Those are the things that we have to our account right here, a relationship with God, a relationship with people, and how we use our time. Money isn't really important. Actually, the best thing you can do with money is use your time wisely because the most valuable thing you have is time, not money. Nobody can get more time. This is what we have. And so we'll see this through the principles. One time a man came into a village and asked an old man living there, Any great people born here? And the old man said, no, just babies. (laughs) That's true. Whatever village you're looking at this around the world, uh, great people are not born. Great people are made. Great people are made by Jesus, by becoming disciples of Jesus. And these principles that we want to give you relate to those priorities of God, people, and the use of our time. These people... As they become great, learn to love God, to love people, and they prove it by their lifestyle. And one of the ways that they prove it is through an example that Jesus gave us. And this is our third core commitment. Here it is. Connect to others in personal, vibrant relationships. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 22, if you will. Matthew chapter 22, and we'll start down there in verse 36. One day, Jesus came. He loved to be around people, and because of that, people had access to him. That should be true in all of our lives. And because of that, when they had access, they had questions that they'd like to present to Jesus. In verse 36, we begin to see this dialogue. Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right from the beginning of time, when man was created, we see those relationships. God had a relationship with man. It wasn't long before God realized that Adam needed a relationship with another human. So there's the two relationships. Right from the beginning, you can see that man was not created to do life alone. Every person including you, was created by God to be connected in this thing called a personal relationship, vibrant, not dead, but active to God and people. Now remember, the church is not a building, it's not a denomination, it's not an organization actually. A church, by definition, is a living organism. A body of believers, of people, of followers of Jesus Christ who are here to simply carry out the purposes of God on earth. And you know the church really has three very simple upward worship of God, inward the discipleship of man, and outward evangelism. Taking the message of the church to the world. We learn two other principles. Connect has to do with commit and celebrate. See, everyone here has at one time or another made a commitment to something and then really didn't follow through. We've all done that. A commitment to diet, to exercise, to watch less TV, to spend more time with the kids to work on your marriage, be more consistent in our devotion time, go to bed earlier, read a new book every three months, and on and on the list goes. I made us all feel guilty just as I read that list. Now, when we make that commitment, we were challenged or convicted by God's Word or friend or something we read. We just didn't pick a commitment out of the air. We were challenged. So why do so many of us fail to keep Those good commitments. The weakest link breaks the chain, that commitment. If you and I are not in some kind of vibrant personal relationships with other Christ followers that are open and honest, enough to keep us accountable, then we'll always struggle with keeping our commitments no matter how committed we think we are. And certainly, when I'm not committed and I fail in that area, you won't hear me celebrating. Because, to be honest, I don't feel good. So, here's something you need to understand. Being committed is not enough. We must also be connected. Being committed is not enough. There's another step we must also be connected. Now, this is where our connection with God and, of course, our connection with people comes in. As iron sharpens iron, we learn in the Old Testament. Jesus set this up for us. He began to teach his disciples how to do this. And notice in Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, with an S, Right from the start of ministry, Jesus started showing us what connecting, what community looked like. He didn't go off and just do his own deal. He began by choosing these 12 men that he would spend the next three and a half years with, working together. Paul understood this, Romans fourteen seven, For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. We don't live in isolation. We're here to influence one another, and we're designed to do life together. God intends us to be like his son. Remember, Jesus would say this, I don't do anything except the Father tells me what to do. And you would always find Jesus connecting to people, but also connecting to God. So he didn't just teach about it, he lived it. So as you and I begin thinking about this, why is that so important in our life? Whether you're here in the United States or in India or Africa or Asia or oceanic areas or wherever you are in South America, wherever you are, why is it so important that we connect with other people? Well, here's why. Notice this principle. And some people will disagree with this and say, no, I don't have that need. But you do. Every person, every person wants to belong. God made that for us. To belong, to be needed, to be known, and of course, last, to be loved. If that's not true in your life, then there's some emotional problems that you're using as an excuse Now, we do know when we get hurt, we typically don't want to be around people. When we get discouraged, we don't want to be around people. But that's exactly the time when God says, no, 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 you need people. Now, sometimes I just need somebody to encourage me to do life together. I need to be accountable. It's very important that I'm accountable to other people. When I'm accountable then I'm not going to be so lax in my commitments. Because those people are going to challenge me. Why? Because they love me. And of course, it's going to be vice versa. It's going to go the other way. Now, when I begin to remove myself from church and the community and the people, pretty soon you'll discover that the enemy will begin working at you. So let's turn to Acts chapter 2. The early church understood this. And that model in the book of Acts is how we do life. I've learned this, Linda and I have been all over the world, in many, many, many countries, probably more than fifty countries in the world, and preaching in many of those places. And this principle never changes. It doesn't matter the country, doesn't matter the people, doesn't matter the language, doesn't matter how much money, little money, wherever it is. The principles you see in Acts chapter 2 are the principles that are going to be long-lasting for any church in any place in the world. Look at verse 42. They, this early church of 3,000 believers after the day of Pentecost there, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And the believers were together and had everything in common. Now notice, they loved to connect. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That word fellowship that you see there in verse 42, that koinonia is a word that we really don't have an English exact translation for, but it's just sharing of life, being real in our lives. So when you look at the church, they were a family. Notice, the early church was connected as a family because the key word as you go through there is the word together. Together is better. Say it with me. Together is better. It's always better. And that brings a balance into your life and my life. So what do we see the early church doing? As I read this list, think about yourself Are you doing these things? They studied together. They worshiped together. They served together. They celebrated together. They ate together. Could I hear an amen on that one right there? I knew that was coming. They prayed together. And later on, we see in the early church, which is true for many of you listening to this teaching, they suffered together. You see, we share the same Savior. We share the same guide for life. We share the same love for God. We share the same desire to worship him. We all share the same struggles. We just sang it. God is a very present help in time of trouble. We share the same victories. We share the same job of living for him, maturing for him, becoming the person he's designed us to make. We share the same joy of communicating the gospel to others and seeing people come to Christ as they do at our services. And perhaps the most powerful witness to the world is exactly that word, together. Jesus himself said, the world will know that the Father and I are real by the love that you have for one another. See, connected and doing life together is simply infectious. It's a unity. People outside of the church, the body of believers, are doing life with lots of people, but they're alone. Because the very basic relationship that brings us into fellowship with the living God, is salvation. They don't know it yet. So they're doing life alone. We're not. Now, they have friends helping them, but their friends are lost as well. If somebody is following somebody in the dark, guess what? They both fall into the ditch. See, we have the advantage. When people see that there's celebration, there's joy, there's this connecting together, it's a powerful witness to a world that wants to be loved. They want to know how to do life right. Now, the Bible is well aware of our weaknesses, your weaknesses, same as mine. Look at Hebrews 3.12. Notice what it says. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Now, why would the writer of Hebrews write such a verse? That's pretty much like a negative verse. Well, he wrote it because it's a warning. He wrote it because he was seeing it in the Hebrews in those days. See, here believers are warned about a heart that turns away from following God. The goal is for no one to fall away and head off their own way, to be prodigal sons and daughters. Now, you and I know enough that this happens not like this. This happens over time. People just get out of the habit of that togetherness in all those areas I just talked to you about. And there's no one there to kind of correct them, to encourage them, to bring them back. You can just stop for a moment and think of people that used to worship with you, used to be in a small group with you. And I guarantee you, if you've been a Christian a long time, at least four or five years, you can think of a couple or an individual or a face or name comes to you right now, they're no longer in church. Now, how did that happen? Well, it isn't that the church failed. It's the enemy got them what? Unconnected. Separated. And before long, what happens? A hard heart. A heart that isn't open. Now, the solution to that problem is given to us in the very next verse. Look at it, Hebrews 3, 13. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. So that, notice the goal, none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness that word encourages an interesting word in the original language to urge to exhort to confront whoa well Ephesians 4 15 says what speak the truth in love remember we talked about people that are condemning legalistic no that's not what this is talking about everyone here loves to be encouraged so that word means to urge, to exhort, to comfort, to come alongside, to spur into action. Notice, being connected helps us to be real. It helps us to be authentic. And because of both of those, I'm going to get loving. Sometimes I'm going to get a little encouragement in the behind, Boop, a little kick. It's going to move me back in line that all of us need. And because of that, I'm going to end up growing spiritually instead of falling away. See, I want to be loved. I want to be part of a body. I want to belong. I don't want to be separated. But the enemy knows how to separate us. And he'll do that, as I said, through hurt feelings, through discouragement, through misunderstandings, unforgiveness, all kinds of things. So as you're listening, get connected. Be connected. Linda and I do that. I'm connected to the elders. Every other week, that's my small group. I'm connected to the pastors. We're connected with lots of friends and neighbors because you want to be connected. We're connected in many ways. Get yourself connected. say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm not really sure that's for me. Guaranteed, it's for you. Whatever part of the world, get connected, stay connected together. Not long ago, there was an amazing article in one of our cities. The article was on the front page. And it was a picture of a full-grown woman who had her ear on the chest of a full-grown man. It was an interesting picture because here's this woman with her her ear on the heart of a full-grown man. And there was no really explanation or caption on it until you got farther down. And this is what it said. The man had received a heart transplant From that woman's younger son who had died in an accident. What was she doing? She was listening to the heartbeat of her son. That's amazing, isn't it? Let me ask you, when Jesus was here on the earth, if you could have put a stethoscope to his heart, what would the heartbeat be of Jesus? Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. That is still the heartbeat of Jesus today. That is still the mission of the church. That is still the mission of every single Christ follower. To go to the lost and share the good news with them. So that introduces us to the fourth core commandment that we have communicate the good news to everyone, everywhere. That's really why we're doing this teaching, because around the world, people are listening to this particular teaching, pastors are listening. And they're understanding, again, the very same principle we're talking about. Now, why do we seem to have to continue to share the good news to everyone everywhere? Why doesn't everyone just simply automatically become a believer? I mean, we know how good it is. Why isn't it like a no brainer, we would say here? Why isn't it just automatic? Well, because there's an enemy that is called the great deceiver in our world. Notice the way Paul writes it. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So they cannot see the light of the gospel. So as we learn from 1 John, they remain in the darkness. Why? Because they're blinded to the light. They cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God.
0: Today, Pastor Mark taught about the three main priorities of the Christ follower, God, people, and the proper use of your time. You also learned that the maturing believer is always trying to be a better steward of those three things. You find out that the church is an organism created to carry out the purposes of God on the earth, and that as a part of that entity, what you do really matters to the whole. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, The Five C's. He'll talk more about the importance of the members of the body of Christ working and doing life together. You'll be reminding you that God made you a particular way and how well things go when you're working out God's intent for you. You'll learn how to engage with others and to become stronger parts of the body. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, The Five C's. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: Made flesh in a herd